Welcome to the house of the Lord. I hope you are enjoying our time in reading God's Word in Scriptures. If you're new and you like to do that with us, you don't have to um, start afresh. Just grab one of the sheets in the back and tag along from where we are uh, right now. We are basically at the time and place where Israel's journey begins to take a turn. The law has been given and the plans for the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, are now complete. So if you have the instructions and you have the blueprints, what do you need? Excuse me? Execution. Execution. Or, you know, in layman's term, you will need a contractor, someone who can build it. Uh, it is so beautiful um, the way we've seen. Oh, it's okay. It is so beautiful for us to see here that while Moses was anointed to be what? God for the people, to be the mouth of God and to perform miracles. What about the regular Joe Blow? John Smith in the crowd. There's nothing special about that guy? Well, let's look and see what's going on. In order to build or to execute, it, it, it requires what? Skill. It requires skill. It requires resources. How did the resources come about? Yeah, the Egyptians take them, but people had to release what? Ownership. When you look at resources, funny thing is, then 99 out of 100 people say, oh, praise the Lord, look how much he's given me. People now have to realize this, God gave me so I can. Oh. People say, I was blessed so I can be a blessing. Hmm, interesting aspect of those resources, how um, the Lord's telling them to do. God spoke about Moses, the priesthood, all of them are there, everything, Aaron and his sons. But now we come to a place where the Lord said to Moses, why, why is this phrase constantly Reminding us, not just with Moses, but with all the prophets that come about. We don't speak about those phrases that we see them all the time, those sentences. The Lord said to Moses, number one aspect of leadership, God does not undermine the design he's left. He doesn't go to the person directly. We do that in our own leadership. If you are the CEO of a company, uh, you know, uh, you may feel like, you know, you own the place and you probably do and you do whatever you like. God has a design and he doesn't undermine the people who are placed there within the design. So the Lord spoke, speaks to Moses. See, I have called by name. Who is at the center here? Who's the center? God, I have called. So the Lord says, see, I have called. What does this mean? That you and I are 
an extension and an object. See, I have called. Who does the calling? God. Okay. How does he call? By name. By name. Does God know your name? Does he provide a new name for you maybe? Yeah. So good luck for those of you of us or might not like your name. Or bad luck if you really like your name. By name. God called them. Not by merit. Another lesson to Moses. Don't go and observe or take a look around and say, oh, he's skilled. That guy's skilled. That guy deserves it. No. It is not by merit. How many people, and I hope you've learned this lesson in your life, the things that work always happen by merit? Oh, you've noticed that? Were you hurt when they didn't happen by merit? Uh, you, so you know what I mean. I wonder if God says, well, what if there are people who think they're better than Bezalel? Maybe he's going to hurt their feelings. See. Now you see the instruction. See I. The only way you cannot fall into sin is to center on God. If you and I center on God and we realize that he's calling, you will not look at merit. You will not make conclusions. You will not try to give your own two cents. You know, we would think, well, why don't you go and take a survey? Why don't you go and ask the 70 elders? Why don't you go and do this, right? Now you're centering on men. See, says here, I have called by name. By name. And have Filled him. Is, you know, people are saying, well, it's only in the New Testament that people can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that true? But haven't you heard Christians say that? It's only in the New Testament. Is this a miraculous feeling as we, you know, today when people speak about the Holy Spirit? They're only looking for the miraculous. That's how sick we've become. We throw away the mundane and God's involvement in the mundane. It's sad how we've become. And read the story about D.L. Moody, how he became a good preacher because of the janitor who taught him a lesson on what he does, the excellence of washing floors. See, it was the anointing of that spirit from the janitor that taught a professor how to preach well. I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability. An intelligence. Now here, when you look at ability, it's 
amazing to understand if God has the plans, if he wants to make it happen, and he puts the ability, is it still Bezalel who's doing it? Or is Bezalel already a vessel in the potter's hands? So God, I guess, was a potter even before he tells us he was a potter? God does not change. I wonder... If when he comes in the area of ability, intelligence, craftsmanship, that's which we do if we see ourselves an empty vessel that God uses and that ability comes from his source. I tell you, Christians would be very wealthy. Because they beat the best mechanics, and they beat the best electricians, and they beat the best masons, and cabinet woodworking people, and carpenters. Do you think it's by mistake that even our own Lord worked in a mundane ability to be a carpenter for 33 years? Is he completely throwing away the mundane work and it's only the spiritual? Imagine how much we are ignoring that God is involved in. Well, I saw the plagues. No one ever talks about Bezalel and what he built. But God is involved in it. It says, see, I have called. Filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability, intelligence, with knowledge, and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work every craft. What does this tell about Bezalel? Do you know anyone who is skillful at every craft? <coughs> what does this mean? You'll find later on, and whatever he put his hand on, he succeeded. There's an innate ability for those who will learn how to function through his ability in even what they do. The Proverbs tells us, the skillful will stand before kings. Do you want to stand before the king one day? Yes, we do. And we have the source to function in a way that elevates us before the king. Interesting enough here, it doesn't say, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur. Now, why would you say, we, we notice father, but why would you say grandfather? Father is to give you covering. Now you say grandfather, he gives you clan power. He brings respect. 
What is the problem by giving us these names? Well, I thought you had to be of the tribe of Levi. Is he, is, is Basil of the tribe of Levi? Judah, so what's going on? It is for the Levites, but it is for the tribe of testimony that takes leadership into building the presence of God in their midst. We're going to come back to that. But then again, who's whore? His grandfather. Hur went up to the top of the hill in Exodus 17, 10, 12. Aaron was on one side, Hur was on the other side doing what to Moses? Holding the staff, right? <laughs> when he got tired, he's holding the staff. Okay, good. Okay. Aaron and Hur also in Exodus 24 are the ones who are to receive Issues and questions when Moses was gone. When Moses was gone, there to receive what? Issues and questions. What else do you know about her? He was the husband of Miriam. Some interesting family dynamics. Because we know Miriam's special relationship with Moses. Took for him when he was a baby. Then turned against him and, and so forth. Right, And we see that family dynamic being represented there. But this is the situation. God called them. Why is the sermon timer not going on? And behold, what has happened here, we see that God needs to do this. I'm sending you a foreman. We would call him a foreman. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Asimach of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, interesting. What's the difference between the two? Bezalel and Ohiliab. I know this may be mundane and boring to you, but it's for your own benefit. Because you may not necessarily be called. By you may be appointed. When you are appointed, you are what? What's the difference between being appointed and called? When you are called, you are following a direction, an instruction according to that which, which the one who calls you asks for you. When you're appointed, it is focusing on a task at hand, but appointment comes with subordination. You're subordinate to someone. So this is from where we have Nathan, even the word Nathaniel. A Nathan means to appoint or to ascribe a sign. Sometimes don't like people to be second in charge. People at workplace, you know, I, it's easy to relate by merit. I can't wait to be number one. I'm number two. But maybe something's going to happen to the number one. He gets sick or falls or leaves or retires, and I'm going to be number one. There's a beauty in understanding your place. 
an understanding appointment. God is beginning to teach his people the sign of where is their place and what needs to happen. Do you think there'll be unrest in the church when people don't understand their calling and don't understand God's appointing? Yeah. And many times we'll begin to say, well, he said that, she said that, they're talking about this, and they're not realizing it has nothing to do with the subject or the issue they discuss. They're already functioning outside God's call and God's appointment. And no matter what answer or decision or conclusion they come to, it will not be good and life-giving. And you know what happens with churches like that and with people like that? They need to have constant meetings. And instead of prayer times, they have meetings like in corporations. And we have more business meetings and we have more meetings to talk about issues. Because there's not that peace and that understanding of the heart of the call and the heart of being appointed and subordinate. So the people are learning. I have called the foreman and I have called him to help him out, number two. But he's under the one that I have called. People are looking by and say, well, I'm better than that guy skill-wise by merit. You know, but look what God is doing. He's giving them a design to see this is how I'm appointing people to work. It is not a kingdom of democracy. And it will never be. It's an empire. And there'll be 24 thrones. And most likely, I don't know, maybe you, but I'm pretty sure I won't be on one of those 24 thrones. If you think you're one of those guys, then more power to you. But believe me, there will be 24 thrones. And that means that person who's on that throne will probably have a greater standing than you and I in heaven. Actually, I can guarantee it that they will. It's a theocracy. That's the way it's going to be. And the Lord is teaching them. Those things by example, with mundane things, because they'll say, well, we're kind of clueless about the spiritual ones, and they were, and now he's helping them through this process about very easy things to see and to do for them to learn. And so you would think that they learn, right? Keep reading and you, you'll realize they didn't learn. So... And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Again, in Exodus 33, Moses testifies, Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work of the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oheliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord put skill, everyone whose heart stirred them up to come to do the work. Here's the problem. Moses does what now? He says everyone was called. Clearly only all... Only Bezalel was called. Why does Moses say that? Puts all of them in one bunch together. It originated with God's call and everyone comes under that umbrella. Another lesson. Yes, there's an individualistic aspect with the relationship of God, but it comes under the greater picture of a communal aspect about his people. Many people also in the church are troublesome to the church because they think about their own self and their own doing and their own place. Not realizing that that's subordinate to the greater picture of where they fit in or where God wants to use them. Well, I've been doing this for 20 years in the church. 
It's like when you put together a puzzle, and if you're missing a few pieces, the picture is not complete. The blessing is, is that it is the Lord that carves the puzzle. It is the Lord who is the potter. Does the clay say to the Lord, why have you made me in this way? Doesn't the Lord say, don't I have the right to do what I see fit? The Lord is telling them, this is, he's giving them example, this is what I'm doing as I see fit. And if your eyes are not on me, you can't see it. So Moses now in, in 36 is reiterating the same thing to them. Saying, unless you have a close relationship with God, you cannot see straight. Moses is showing what? Subordination to God's call as well. And he's giving testimony about that reality to the rest of the flock. Exodus 38, 23 says, See, Oheliab specialty was engraver in broder in yarn and linen. Exodus 32, 23 as well. So as we, as we can see, God will not do something that does what? Is not provided for. The question now begins, if we are... A kingdom of priests. If we know that God is working in the mundane as well as, you know, the miraculous. What is your peace? What are we building to entertain the presence of God, the holiness of God, the place where people come to meet him? And what is your part in that process? What is your calling? What is your appointing? See how we have deterred from a relationship to what we do to say, okay, well, I'm part of the, I'm part of the worship team, so I got to practice. Well, I teach Sunday school, so I go and I teach Sunday school. It's already a fallen place because it takes out the central picture of what we do. It is not flowing from being. It is focusing on doing. Now, I have this passage that, you know, about 25 years ago, it brought a lot of wealth to ministry in my life. John 7, 38, Jesus said, and for him who believes, as scriptures have said, rivers, streams, or living water shall flow out of their belly. The lesson is the doing flows out of the being. See, I have called, and therefore the doing happens. Centralize on me is the same with us. I am on the worship team because I have been called and out of my own personal prayer and praise time with the Lord, I am flowing with life to you. Do you think that's how things are done in the church? No. We send people to school and we educate them in music to become worship leaders. Actually, in Baptist seminaries, they don't even have a concept much of a calling. Just get a diploma on the wall and get a human-centered accreditation. But in other denominations, you need to be under surveillance of ministry for three years. And if you haven't proven fruit in your ministry in three years, you won't be ordained. You say, this can't be the same church, right? Sure it is. It's the same church, the same body. 
there's an aspect here of how God is trying to teach them how to do things. And he says, see, I have. Okay. Done what? Let's look now. The tent. The tabernacle. This type of work. Speaking about Judah from where Jesus will come, the, 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 the top of the clans and the tribes, where's the helper from? Dan, the worst reputation and the weakest, smallest clan. Really? Is Dan present in the list in the Revelation? No? He's being substituted, right, by one of the Joseph, Joseph's kids. Manasseh, yeah. But they're here. The table and its utensils, the pure lamps and all its utensils and the altar of the incense. What, what is God saying to you and I? If I'm a pastor... It is the people who think they're insignificant in church who the Lord's making them build those holy places within the church where I have to go and minister. How funny is that? Did you know that you play a role? It wasn't Aaron and his sons that built those things. They were holy and were present there to take ownership. It was an expression of God through you. So who's building the table here at our church? Who's building the utensils? Who's building the live stand? The altar of incense? The curtains? The priestly garments? Notice how God did not use Aaron. That was not his calling. That was not his peace. You can't bring Aaron to function if those things are not present. You need the mundane. You need the blueprint. You need the work. Otherwise, it doesn't matter who comes. It could be Billy Graham. It could be John Smith. And it doesn't make a difference. Interesting. Every time the priests walk by, these are the people who worked here. Those are holy things. This is the blueprint of God. We're speaking about them today. The very thing that we wear as priests. It's because of the hand of the mundane. I won't go into that because I'll start talking about other things that will bother you. <laughs> and the finally wore garments... The holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons. Now, do you feel good that God is making them do those beautiful garments that are better than anything you have to wear? And people get bothered when I say this and they say, oh, it's bad. You know, I remember working with some African-American churches and, you know, a guy had, the, past, the senior pastor had the most beat up car in the parking lot. So Southern Baptist Church in... in South San Diego, and after a whole a year, you know, the man kept gathering. I was like, why are the men gathering in the parking lot of the church, right after church? They kept collecting money for about a year, a year and a half. In a year and a half, they just bought this, I don't know, I think it was a Mercedes. And you should have seen the next Sunday, everyone was in the parking lot to see the pastor come in, because now they were proud that their pastor has the nicest car when they, he drives into the parking lot. 
Now, I know we, we, we tend to judge and we tend to say things, but it was an expression of the people and their heart. Now, I'm not speaking about that intention. I'm speaking more in, in terms of spiritual aspect. What has the Lord also made you build here? within the church, aspects of his presence, of his design to do within the church. For their service as anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. It's not just the African-American. It's also the, the, the Koreans are similar. So it's not, it, it's, it's not just in one uh, society. There's, there's multiple I worked in the Chinese. Do you know what the Chinese say? Look how little we pay our pastor. We are, we're keeping him humble. So everyone has their own take. If he's not humble, we'll for sure make him humble because he's going to barely survive. And look what good of a job we do. Right? So there's people all across the board. There's all sorts of things but the reality here is, is that you need to be involved in order for the priest to do what? His job. In order for the priest to be able to function. If things are, are missing, if things are not present, if things are not got, done according to design, guess what happens? There's no ministry. So my big question is to you, if this is a spiritual place where God is working, it is you and your impact whether we have an altar in our church. If we have a spiritual altar in our church, people will come to the altar. If we have what? What's behind the altar? The basin for ritual washing. We have one right there. People get baptized. You'll see any use. And before you enter into the holy place, there's a small flask where the priest had to anoint, be anointed with oil so you can go in. You'll see what? A manifestation of the Spirit of God. And then you'll see them function within the holy place. And then you'll receive the atonement, the redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the table of, of Jesus' presence to you and I, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Holy of Holies moving us in our midst. So if we know this reality of the physical representing the spiritual, if you don't have the spiritual reality of the temple in the church, can you even call that gathering a church? You say, yeah, we can call it an assembly. Then you have to doubt for what reason. When you say, for what reason? I is not at the center anymore. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. What is this, keeping the Sabbath? A, a day of rest, but it is a commandment. When, where is it in the commandments? It is the last one that divides the commandments that deal with God versus the commandments that deal with one another. Now, here's the problem. Is it just a commandment? Have you heard it before? The Ten Commandments? 
Can you turn in Genesis 2, verses 1 and 3, when everything was good? Was there a Sabbath then? Can someone read Genesis 2, verses, I think it should be at the beginning. Genesis 2, 1 and 3. David, you got it? Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work created that he had done. So he blessed it and he made it holy before the law. So now we know that grace and we know that the redempting work of God takes us away from the law and he fulfills the law. The problem is the Sabbath was present prior to the law and by covenant of creation itself, we're bound to it. Now Romans 14, he says, one man values one day above the other. But you, shall do what? Romans 14, 5, David? I think that's where my mind goes. What does it say about us? Which day shall we value? With what addition? convicted there's no room for you not to have for all of us we have entered into the rest of christ it is finished when he comes there's no work towards salvation we have entered into his rest we have entered into the jubilee year but we are priests did the priest work on the sabbath very hard Now, the literal Sabbath, it is Saturday, so don't argue with people. Revelations 1.10, he tells us that the, the, day, the day of the Lord is Sunday. Do you know why the church met on Sunday? Because they're evangelizing on Saturdays at synagogues. So they worship and evangelized on Saturday, and they met on Sunday because it's the day when the Lord came out of the grave. So don't argue. The, the, the Jews and the Seventh-day Adventists, they're right. Historically, Saturday is the Sabbath day. But the Lord's Day that we celebrate is the day when the Lord came out of the grave. I want to encourage you to take a 24-hour period of Sabbath. I used to do that until I went to seminary. A seminary, you see what effect seminary had on me? I no longer had time for the Sabbath. I was sleeping three, four hours a night, driving 15, 20 hours a week, ministering in the church, studying. I go to the senior pastor and I said, you know, I can't deal with this. This is too much. I don't get rest. I don't get to finish what I do. He says, are you taking a 24-hour Sabbath? I'm like, can't you hear I don't have enough time? He's like, are you taking a 24-hour I said, no. I began to take a 24-hour Sabbath. Do you know what happened? Miraculously, I could do everything. It was a miracle. A miracle into happening. I couldn't do it before. Right? Because I was no longer centered in I, but I was trying to do the best that I can, the duties that I had to do. It was the, the doing rather than the flowing from being with the Lord. You know what I also noticed little lately in my Sabbaths? I take rest. I don't mess up on the rest as easily. But I gravitate to do what I like to do on the Sabbath. Rather than to keep it holy. Who's holy? God. There should be a lot of God in our Sabbath, shouldn't there? So, if I like to go gardening, I'll do gardening on my Sabbath, and I'll do more. Do you know what happened to the, to the early Christians? 
They came to church. They were at church in the morning quite a bit. Then they went and they ate together and they came back in the evening and they were at church. So I was like, man, I guess they were, they didn't know how to read. They didn't know scriptures that well. They didn't have the Bible, but they lived it out without, because the spirit was drawing them that way. I remember when I was a little kid and church was from 9 to 1, 1.30 p.m. And people had to walk to church. It would take them sometimes three, four hours to walk. So after church, everyone who wasn't from the vicinity said, okay, you come to lunch to our place. So there was fellowship. And then at about 3 p.m., we started looking around to see, oh, there's nobody around. Turn on the radio to listen to J. Vernon McGee and make sure that the communists don't hear us so they can lock us up. So it was very quiet through England. We would catch those waves and listen, uh, you know. And after that, if you took a half an hour nap, oh, let's go. We got church. So from 6 to 8 p.m., you were in church again. You came home and you was like, yeah, there was some rest, but there was a lot of church. There was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of singing. There was a lot of sharing. There was fellowship. Now we say, okay, that sermon's too long. I got to run. I have lunch waiting for me, dinner. There's no more evening. So we say the Sabbath, but while we've happened with our Sabbaths, we're not centralizing or really focusing on God that much. We're, we're slowly beginning to replace it with our interests. And even be careful to replace it with godly interests. Because some of you may gravitate to say, I have an interest in Christian politics. I have an interest in something associated with Christianity. It is not that that is holy. God himself is holy. The Sabbath is to sanctify you and I. To fill you up. If you don't come to church and you're filled up through your singing, through your praying, if you're not fed through the Word of God, if you're not drawn to be sanctified and to be in a better place than before, then this is not a good place for you for the Sabbath. Because what we do here cannot be apart from relating with God. And you know what happens? God didn't ask anyone if they liked it or not. So I'm sorry, but when I meet new people who come here and they're church hopping, we're not vending church. We're not turning churches into vending machines. So I want to encourage you to realize that every day for us is Sabbath. But if you can, please take a 24-hour period where you center on your calling, on your appointing, on the voice of the Lord, on your sanctity, on the peace that you have within the holy temple of God. And I, I tell you what, when I come here on Wednesdays and I hear you guys share, I can tell that you guys have a lot to offer and to give, but you're not really using it. That's why come on Wednesday, interact, hear, be used, pray with people, show people how the Spirit is moving you, how the work of God is, is speaking to you and what it's doing. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, uh, on purpose, Lord, we took a passage today that it's mundane. We could have spoken about the golden calf right next chapter. We could have spoken about great things. But Lord, you are in the very mundane things. You are in the things of someone who just cleans the floors.
you're in the things of someone who is a painter. Someone, Lord, who does the most mundane things. Lord, because the beautiful, good things that you call us to do come from you. We realize, Lord, that we can take credit. All the beautiful knowledge, all the anointing there is, comes from you. And today, Lord, you have shown us your design, but even more, you showed us why we want to come in your presence. Why we desire to be filled with your spirit. According to that design, an honor that you want to bestow upon us. So, Lord, I pray that people won't feel insecure or lowly here on whatever they do. You have filled them with your Holy Spirit to function. Lord, give them peace. Give them healthy boasting in you, Lord, in whatever they do. If you call them, that's what they do. But, Lord, don't let them fall into chasing something that's out of their call or out of your appointing for the damaging of your Holy Spirit and your Holy Temple, Lord. Because we're asking that you build a Holy Temple here in our midst and that you will see us as people who will serve you for we are all priests under our High Priest Jesus Christ, to be Him glory forever and ever. Amen.